and hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News, where it's March and there's madness at the legislature. It's the Extra Credit Podcast, going over the week in education and politics and where the two meet. Uh, I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And before we get to the legislation, and there are a lot of bills swirling around and flowing from one chamber to the other, we have been... We've sat through a lot of presentations in our respective education committees, and they don't normally create as much news, but one on Thursday created a lot of news, and it pertains to uh, kind of a buzz phrase from the past couple of years, leadership premiums. Clark, start with sort of the, what are leadership premiums, and why are they important? Sure. So leadership premiums are, the best way to think about this is probably a salary bonus for teachers who go, teachers and staff members who go above and beyond the normal call of duty. And so they could get these bonuses, which the legislature calls leadership premiums, uh, for taking on a hard-to-fill position, for teaching a dual-credit course. Mentoring their colleagues. Mentoring their colleagues, professional development, getting an advanced degree within the subject area that they teach in. And so these bonuses, these leadership premiums, were the subject of this big, highly anticipated state report on Thursday. But it wasn't so much... It, it was more, Kevin, the problems with the reports and the bad math is why this report made news rather than some of these other presentations. But you had a chance to really go through the data and, and point out why the math and the calculations were flawed. And so what were some of the things that you found? Well, there were a lot of errors in this report. And, and we should clarify that the report uh, was unveiled last week, uh, a week ago Thursday, in uh, Senate Education Committee. That committee had maybe a few minutes of lead time before the report was kind of dropped into their laps, so it was a fairly short uh, presentation in Q&A. I had a few days to kind of go through the numbers, and there are a lot of errors in this report. Uh, there are districts where we have no report. We have no idea of how these districts distributed their leadership premiums. We have numbers that really don't add up. I mean, simple arithmetic uh, where, you know, the, the average premium doesn't line up in any manner that makes sense compared to the report of the highest leadership premium and the lowest leadership premium. Uh, just a lot of errors and numbers that made no sense and, and not to belabor it here on, on air, you can go to idolednews.org and read our story that we uh, put together on Thursday about the, the report and the reaction in committee. Suffice it to say, some really uh, flawed data presented in this report by the State Department of Education right. to a pair of legislative committees to try to unravel where $16.7 million of state money went in terms of teacher pay. So it's a uh, it was a surprising number of errors and a surprising scope of errors in the report. And basically what the state said is, we got the numbers from the districts. We didn't really have the ability or the, it wasn't practical for us to try to double check the math. So you have this report with a lot of mistakes. But you were in the House Committee on Thursday, Clark, and, and it wasn't just concerns about bad arithmetic. I mean, there are some procedural questions that lawmakers had. So give, give us a sense of the mood in that room and the questions that were raised. The committee was not happy. They were not pleased with the report, but like you said, it didn't just have to do with the errors in these calculations. There were uh, several key lawmakers. Uh, outgoing House Education Committee Chairman Reed DeMorant was extremely upset that 
several districts did not distribute these teacher bonuses the way that he intended to when they passed this bill in 2014. Representative DeMordaunt thought it was pretty clear in his mind and in the law that the minimum teacher bonus would be $850 for people receiving these. Mm -hmm. But as you saw in the report, Kevin, some people were receiving $400, $450. And the so lowest I found was $59. $59. Representative DeMordaunt said, you know, we thought that this was pretty clear that 850 was the bonus. And so what came out was the state officials said that maybe these were part-time employees that were getting these smaller bonuses and is there a fairness issue? They were also extremely upset. Multiple members of the committee were upset that several school districts appeared to give bonuses to every teacher or to split the available money uh, between all their staffs. Uh, Lance Clough, Reed DeMornot, Ryan Kirby said that is not what we intended when we passed this law. This was supposed to be an incentive for the best of the best. To reward the, the best and really brightest. do go above and beyond. And if you give everybody a bonus, that is not what we had in mind, and that's not uh, acceptable. So they're already talking about maybe drafting uh, revisions or amendments to this law. We're so late in the legislative session that that's probably on hold for at least another, uh, another year. But... I really, at no point was the committee happy or satisfied with this report. And, and to give more of a sense of sort of the, you know, the back and forth that seems to be going on now about this report. So after we first published our story, um, the West Ada School District called and said, hey, wait a minute. Now, I know what the report says. The report says that we gave out leadership premiums to 100% of our teachers. That's not accurate. Uh, you know, we have hundreds of more teachers than we gave premiums to. So uh, I sensed that the district wasn't, uh, wasn't too pleased that the report cast their premium decisions in sort of an inaccurate light. So uh, this, uh, this saga may continue. It looked like this really created a lot of friction between school districts, large and small, and the state districts felt like they were thrown under the bus pretty quickly. The state feels like they made a lot of errors in their calculations at the district level. But and I wouldn't... Remember, there's a recurring theme that the, the State Department of Education has talked about not being a, uh, a compliance agency, not policing school districts as much and trying to be more of a support to school districts. So, you know, trying to build relationships with the districts, relationships that maybe were afraid uh, during the Tom Luna years, but... The tension over this report probably was, is not going to help those relationships. No, and again, I, I would say I consider this one of our top stories for the week, and I would encourage our listeners just, again, go check it out if you're interested. Yeah. Go, go at edmunds.org, and you'll see the math, and you'll, you can download the report and see it for yourself. But speaking of kind of a messy situation, um, the Orofino license plate. And Once a, again. In a wild saga on the House floor on Tuesday. You were, you were on the floor, Clark. What, what happened? It was just, it, it was bizarre. And so uh, the license plate, which Representative Paul Shepard is trying to create this specialty license plate. It would be the first specialty license plate to benefit a school district. And the sales and registration fees would, would serve as a fundraiser. Something mm -hmm. like $22 from the initial registration would go to the school districts. This goes to the House floor for a vote earlier in the week. And it appears to fail on a rare 35 to 35 tie, tie vote in the mm -hmm. House, which you don't see that often. And it gets even more bizarre from there. One of the representatives, Pete Nielsen, a longtime member of the Idaho House, originally was voting in favor of this. Uh, there's 
you know, anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes where members can cast their votes at the last second. He switches his yes vote mm-hmm. to a no vote, uh, so the thing fails on a tie vote. Then he asks to change his vote. There's an objection. He asks to reconsider. They go and back and vote on this thing again. Uh, after lunch, several lawmakers are not on the floor, and the thing ends up actually passing. And so uh, the Orofina license plate is alive. It may not be well. Uh, but So it was kind of a mess in procedurally how it played out. Um, but I think there's a lot more going yeah. on with the legislature and, here. And there, there are important issues here beyond the the bizarre nature of Tuesday's votes. I mean, this uh, this would create a precedent. This would be the first school district to be selling license plates to help offset uh, funding needs. So there, this would be a precedent on top of the fact that there's a lot of concern, a lot of uh, sensitivity about the Orofino mascot, sure. the maniac. Which we've talked about already. And, and is that appropriate for a license plate? So th- there's more to it than just the weird back and forth that happened on the House floor. And you could, uh, can go to idohednews.org and read all about that. And you also see a lot of frustration and hurt feelings, people being dismissive of this, saying we're not doing a good job funding education overall. And if we're having to turn to bake sales and license plates, that's really inappropriate and reflects poorly on the school budget. But this whole Orofino situation played out on Election Day, Kevin. What else happened in Orofino that day? Well, that's the weird timing of all of this, right? I mean, on Tuesday, while the House was voting repeatedly on whether to pass (laughs) the Orofino license plate, patrons in Orofino went back to the polls. They renewed a supplemental levy for two years, uh, about $5.4 million. They weren't alone. About $31 million of uh, levies were passed across the state. Um... Almost every levy on the ballot passed, and that's really interesting, and that's really significant when you think about this was a Republican presidential primary day. You would think that it would be more difficult, and in some instances it probably was more difficult to get a majority of support uh, to pass a levy, but in most cases uh, districts were able to get levies through. A big result, though, and this is something we're going to want to take a closer look at after the session when we... When we're out of the statehouse, Cache County is in a a very difficult situation. A bond issue down there failed. This would have provided about $15 million to kind of plug in money that they need for building projects. Voters passed a $37 million bond issue last year. The architects' estimates were way low compared to what the actual cost of these projects are going to be. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Cache County does to solve this issue, and we're going to take a closer look at that. It's on our to-do list after the legislature. But who knows when after the legislature is, because we are maybe two weeks out. Well, We're heading into that endgame. Let's talk quick about the endgame, because there are a lot of missing parts uh, that are still sort of hanging out there. Sure. I, I will tell you one thing. I still feel good about my prediction from a couple of weeks ago that the legislature will adjourn for the year on March 24th, just under two weeks away. I feel good about that. I'm glad you're doubling down publicly. We'll we'll see where that goes. (laughs) It can only lead to embarrassment, right? But what are some of the things that we expect to wrap up between now and lawmakers going home? Obviously, major pieces of the budget, including the school budget, have not circulated through both chambers yet. We still need votes uh, on the education budget, or nobody's going anywhere. And we're still waiting to see maybe where perhaps uh, subsequent trailer bill funding for literacy, student mobility, what happens on those fronts? Uh, A lot of those trailer bills are still waiting. Uh, The ones you mentioned, the STEM Action Center also is probably going to get a trailer bill because uh, 
what you what you saw passed in the budget committee the other day was uh, basically funding for the operation of that center. It doesn't fund this long-term STEM endowment that Governor Otter and uh, the STEM center advocates really want because the legislation creating that fund hasn't passed the legislature yet. So you've got that. You, you've got uh, school security issues are still kind of working their way through the legislature. And, you know, we've been through enough end of sessions between the two of us, we know that it almost always seems to come down to taxes at some form or another. We saw that unfold a little bit on Friday morning. Uh, yes, there's a bill to, uh, to go after internet sales taxes, but now it's going to the floor of the House for amendment because there's a chance that the House is going to want to put tax cuts into that bill because a tax cut has been sitting over on the Senate side for more than a month uh, after passing in the House. So here we go again. We've, we've seen this just about every March or April. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully we won't continue to see it into April this year. <laughs> the tension between the House and the Senate over tax policy is kind of a recurring theme, and I think we're going to see it again this session. So uh, nerves are getting a little frayed. Ten tempers are getting a little short. We saw that even in the press room on Thursday afternoon, a little bit of back and forth. This was bizarre, but you want to talk about her feelings being aired publicly. Uh, on Thursday, the House actually killed a budget bill. Which uh, hardly ever happens. Hardly, hardly ever, happens. ever happens. A small, relatively small speaking budget for the Commission on the Arts. And this was actually kind of a bipartisan effort. I believe eight Democrats uh, mm -hmm. joined uh, the majority Republicans in voting down narrowly uh, this Commission on the Arts bill, and, and it got political, and it doesn't just have to do with dissatisfaction with the Commission on the Arts, but Democrats joined in killing the bill, saying, essentially, you need us to be a part of this process uh, to, to play ball, and Democrats have several bills that they introduced as personal bills. And those are stuck in a Ways and Means Committee that haven't really gotten hearings or any traction at all. So the Democrats are using this as a political tool to say, hey, haven't we had our bills heard? And the Republicans, uh, we saw this in the fight in the press office, said those weren't introduced uh, through the proper channels. And so uh, they're going to sit there and continue to languish. And so we know feelings are hurt. Uh, we know tax discussions and budget issues have yet to be resolved. But when we get so, down... So you've got fighting between the House and the Senate over taxes. You've got fighting in the House between Republicans and Democrats over legislation. Business as usual, right? Pretty much. Uh, so far, the reporters seem to all be getting along pretty well. But, uh, you know, you can watch on Twitter to see if there are any uh, outbreaks <laughs> between the reporters. But we do know that the major agency budget bills have to pass in one way mm -hmm. or another, uh, constitutionally obligated to provide funding for these programs in order to even shut down the session. And where does this all go? I mean, in terms of the big picture on the K-12 budget, I don't sense any sort of uprising about the, the basics of what's in that K-12 budget. I think eventually, barring something really unforeseen, it's going to go through the two houses without a whole lot of uh, dissent. But you never know. But at this stage of the game, I, I don't see it uh, escalating to you know, anything that really has to do with uh, school funding. Sure. Uh, looking ahead, we'll continue to follow the, the hopefully the last two weeks of the session uh, daily. Uh, but there is, we are going to be watching the Caldwell School District on Monday night and have some coverage out of there. Uh, it looks Which, like they're in line. They have some finalists identified for their superintendent's position, and it looks like they're in line potentially to make a decision on Monday. If that goes forward, we will have coverage Monday night 
Okay. Idaho we'll Edges. have that, and I'm going to try to take a closer look at the filings, the legislative filings. Those wrap up uh, Friday night, so we'll take a look next week and try to handicap what some of the big races are, as well as keeping track of the madness of March at the legislature. <laughs> all right, and we'll have it all. Uh, we'll have it all here on the podcast to catch up next Friday. All right, plenty still to, to get through even in these last couple of weeks. Anyways, thanks so much uh, for taking time out listening to Extra Credit. I want to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook to keep the conversation going. Meanwhile, uh, we'll be happy to uh, check back in with you next week with a brand new edition on Friday for the Extra Credit Podcast. I am Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.